All right. Uh, hello to everyone who is listening. It's been a while, but we are back. Uh, today I have with me two guests and they're going to introduce themselves in a little bit, but I'm just going to preface and say that uh, we have one thing in common. Well, we have a couple things in common, but we have one thing in common that I'm like <laughs> super excited about. If you know anything about the Enneagram. Um, yeah. So I'm an Enneagram four. And in this conversation, the three of us are all Enneagram fours. And so, you know, our feelings are going to be like palpable today. <laughs> and I'm just excited to be in a space with people who get, <laughs> who get that and understand that expression. And so, yeah, um, I would like to start off with with Andrea, can you please, you know, introduce yourself to the people, let us know who you are and who you're, who you're becoming in this season. Yeah. Hello. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm so excited. Um, my name is Andrea Price. I am an eclectic artist, um, who I guess is I'm interested in social justice, but also, um, and the ideas of compassion, joy, and peace has been something that I've been exploring a lot recently. And so I think those are like major and very important parts of who I am, as well as like discernment and, you know, the four thing. Hey, um, who am I becoming? I think I'm also the owner of two businesses, both Andrea and her art um, and Healing Conversations. And I think um, in this season, I've just been really contemplating how to bring more joy <laughs> into my life, how to maintain my compassion and um, being completely transparent here. I am um transitioning in terms of just like I guess my understanding of my level of capacity mm. uh so I've dealt with like fatigue mm. um for a good 10 years <laughs> and I'm just figuring out um I guess now that I I told myself for a long period of time that I wasn't able to do anything and now figuring out that I am able to do something, but not like overextending myself is yes. an interesting thing. So maintaining, I don't know, some form of balance and peace and joy. So yeah, that's who I am and who I'm becoming. Mm, thank you so much. Whew. When you were talking, I was, I was just thinking to myself, like 10 years is a long time to be tired. Mm. Damn mm. It, though. Mm. You are at the right table. yes yes oh my goodness all right um our next guest is Carla Carla and I have done so many things together Mm -hmm. um in this like digital space that like it's it's just like incredibly ridiculous that we've never met in person (laughs) all right uh Carla would you mind introducing the people to to yourself um, and letting them know you know who you are and who you're becoming in this season. Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm just so happy. Honestly, <laughs> like my face is gonna start hurting soon because I'm just so happy and smiley. Um, well, my name is Carla Mendoza. Um, I am a storyteller. I am a podcaster. I'm an author. I um, have lived in the U.S. for almost 20 years. This December is going to be 20 years. I'm originally from Lima, Peru. Um, So I have spent 20 years of my life in Turtle Island. Um, What else? Uh, I call myself a non-pastor because I am very conflicted about being a pastor, but I know that it's probably who I am, you know? Um, (laughs) So... I'm always sitting in that tension. Um, what else? I'm an artist, um, though I barely claim that. <laughs> and I'm a poet, and I also barely claim that. Um, 
Yeah. So I think in this time of my life, I am mostly focusing on accepting all the things that I am that are good things. You know, I just, you know, always put them aside. So um, even, you know, like the idea of pastoring, like, okay, I have to come to terms with that sometime, you know, (laughs) and it's a good thing. Like, it's not a bad thing to be a pastor, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm in this period of time of uh, lots of transitions for me, um, but also encountering um, the pleasure, the softness, the kindness of, you know, enjoying. I I actually prefer making coffee more than drinking the coffee. So, you know, enjoying the grinding of the beans and making sure the water is 205 <laughs> Fahrenheit and temperature and, you know, all those little rituals. Um, I think that's who I'm becoming of um, slowing down my days and actually having time to be an artist and a poet and a writer and do the things that I enjoy and not have to rush all the time Mm. (laughs) because I have time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. First of all, we're just going to claim your artistry in this moment right claim that you are a poet yes I was actually thinking about this recently because I was like people ask me like what am I going to do after seminary and I'm like I'm just going to keep on doing the things I'm already doing like I was a writer before I came to seminary I'll still be a writer (laughs) just hopefully I get paid more that's like my one thing (laughs) just with some more monies So my first question is like, what does it mean for you to be a soft black woman? And either of you can can start off by talking about that. Um, one of the things that like I typically do when I ask this question is like I I delve into the fact that like it's both about resisting something or resisting some things, um, but it can also be about affirming and creating new space of being. Um, so you can lean into whichever one of those you want and how you, how you define this, but yeah. What does it mean for, for you, Andrea or Carla to be a soft black woman? I guess I can go first, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, being a soft black woman is is such an interesting concept oh my um but I think one of the the main things that I guess I focus on when I think about being um soft is compassionate um and a lot of that compassion is like toward my myself (laughs) Mm. um more than it is other people because I feel like um yeah, you can just get into a routine where you're trying to take care of everyone else, make sure everyone else is okay. You're doing your job and whatever those jobs are, um, they serve to serve people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I just think uh, one of the main ways that I'm trying to maintain my softness is through um, both having compassion and joy and peace. Oh my gosh, that's so important. Mm, peace oh peace just peace there's so much to it but Mm -hmm. peace yeah (laughs) I feel like that's all I need to say (laughs) what about you Carla um well um I think being a soft black woman for me is I would say relatively a new concept maybe in the last couple of years um mostly because I think for a long time, I had to be strong. And I think that is the experience of a lot of women and specifically Black women, you know, mm-hmm. of there is this, if you're not strong, it feels like everything will fall apart, you know? <laughs> and so I think for me, um, and I guess to understand a little bit is that I have lived in this country for 20 years um but my experience here has been as an undocumented immigrant 
and as a black woman because of course people can't see me but I am Afro-Latina and so um I sit in this intersection of you know being from Peru of being American of being a woman being black being a black Latina and there's a lot of you know as we know a lot of colorism and anti-blackness in the Latinx community um and so because I sit in all these intersections um I often wonder is there a place where I can be soft Mm. because it doesn't feel that way, you know, in any given space, (laughs) it doesn't feel that way. Um, And so it's not until the last few years when um, something happened to me and I realized that I couldn't be strong through it. You know, I just had no option but to actually and completely fall apart. And so when I fell apart, then I I had to decide who I was going to become again, you know, Um, was I going to become again, just like this strong tower kind of representation that, and, you know, even my name means warrior. So I think like, (laughs) you know, I've always had this, like, I have to be strong and courageous. I am Joshua, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I am not Joshua, praise the Lord. Um, And so. You know, I am Mary at the feet of Jesus. Mm. I am Mary at the table hanging out, you know? Mm. And so, um, but I had to accept that. Like, it didn't come easily for me to say, oh, actually, I am just very soft and tender and need to be, you know, um, even the idea of being taken care of, you know, (laughs) I'm like, you mean somebody has to take care of me right now because I can't take care of anyone you know um anyway so I think to be a soft black woman um in so many ways I think has been a costly road you know to get here um but in the now being a soft black woman means you know like what I mentioned earlier the ritual of coffee the ritual of choosing a book at a bookstore and going through them and reading the back of the book and you know um and feeling the way that the page feels like it's just like those moments that ground me back to there is this gentleness that I don't have to run away from and it makes sense that I don't have to run away from it because gentleness is the fruit of the spirit you know so Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Carla. <laughs> um, wow. First of all, the people need to know that Carla and I were on an episode of Robert Monson's podcast, episode one of Black Coffee and Theology. It's us talking about theology of softness. And so that was kind of like our first venture into like this kind of conversation. So um and you know I'm just always impressed (laughs) I only invite people I'm impressed by on my podcast just so y'all know y'all are impressive people (laughs) and I think it's so funny (laughs) yeah well (laughs) I, I I also think like one of the things that um um Andrea you were saying is like like this concept of the soft black woman is new. Carla, you said that too. Like it, it's a new, it's a new thing. But for me, like when I first heard the words together, I was like, I immediately knew. It's like there's something about it that feels like it's new, but it's like, oh, I, this has always been here. Like it's yes. always, yeah. Yes. And I feel like there's a part of me that's always been trying to, like I was contemplating that. I've been thinking about just what it means to be a, a soft black woman. And I think. I've always been, (laughs) Rose, we've talked about this before, but like the fact that from a little kid, I've just been ultra, I don't know if the word is sensitive or um, attuned to other people's spirits and discerning. And Mm. so that comes with a whole lot of emotions. I have compassion for a whole lot of people. And um, it seems like there's like this constant, battle between like being soft and like maintaining all of that stuff and then like becoming numb to it Mm. because a lot of it can be painful depending on like the situation that we're in 
So. Mm. Hmm. I find that so relatable and um, particularly from this time in my life, um, like I, I definitely realized that I was like sensitive to other people's energies, like being in a pandemic because I was by myself a lot and I was like, oh, I can do things. Like I have energy to do stuff and like, and I'm like confronting like my assignments and things I do for class. And I'm like, what, for whatever reason, like while I was by myself, like none of this was stressful. And then I'm like back in school now and there's like people and there's like, and they're like, if, if anyone's anxious, I feel it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, I don't know. That's just, that's, that for me is definitely one of those things that like, is a, like a soft quality to have. Um, yeah. And I think it's definitely a, like a necessary one, um, even though because of the way our society is set up, it can feel debilitating to be that person until people need you. <laughs> yes. It, it's either like debilitating. Sometimes it gets very annoying because like, example, I was in the store today um, <laughs> find something from Best Buy and the guy that was there was clearly anxious as I'll get out because there was a long line of people behind me and I, I was like taking in all of his emotions and I, like empathizing and I was like turn it off turn it off please because but then again I fight for that portion of myself to still be there so Oh, it's such a, an interesting place to be. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I just, I think for me, like, it's been an interesting journey to like, take those three words, soft black woman, and to just kind of see like what comes up for different people when they think about those words. Um, and like the, one of the things like my friend Malin said when she was on was that, like soft and strong are not opposites. <laughs> and um, like, I think part of like the, the false narrative there is that like, in order to resist what the strong black woman means to society, we have to be soft in ways that like mean that we're not strong. Like we're embracing weakness. And it's like, no, 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 no. Um, we're, we're saying that softness is strength and that um, is what we are affirming and believing for ourselves. Yeah. Any thoughts on <laughs> I see snaps? People, the people, <laughs> the people listening can't see the snaps, but they're snaps. <laughs> um, I love that you said that because I was thinking that of how um I think maybe when I think of the word strong. I always picture like forts and like castles and, you know, but things that just at one point will fall apart, you know? Um, but when I think of the strength of softness, I think of nature and how um, creation, I think, is such a an incredible um, metaphor or symbol to softness because um, trees need to be taken care of you know, whether it's by humans or by creator, um, there is always someone taking care of trees. <laughs> um, and trees, you know, give us so much beauty and give us oxygen, which we actually need to survive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I think of the strength of even flowers, the strength of so many beautiful things, right? Um, that might not be considered strong all the time, you know? Um, but it is like in those moments where I'm like, no, this flower is strong. It withheld, you know, when, and it's so funny because so Andre and I live in the same city. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's so interesting because here people start gardening like in the, in the spring technically but you never know when the last snowfall is gonna come you know <laughs> it 
and it's gonna get you and you're gonna freeze probably um and somehow flowers still bloom so the strength that they carry to still bloom and to still hold that much beauty right like um we see it in the bible like solomon couldn't wear the clothing that wildflowers could wear you know um yeah and so i think redefining the word strength is just so powerful to me yes you better be preaching carla i mean (laughs) i can't with you okay (laughs) you were already preaching just talking about the the plants and then you of course you see this is why i have y'all here together together i feel like this is what happens when type fours that are pks come into a room oh (laughs) my goodness (laughs) are the people ready for that intersection (laughs) and again for those that don't know pks pastors kids lord Mm -hmm. jesus passes kids passes kids listen (laughs) listen I feel like for definitely like the PK in me, the PK in me that knows how to perform, knows that like showing up soft in a particular church setting, it's not good. Um, Especially when people judge you by like, they want you to be where your father is at spiritually when you're like four years old. It's like, no, I'm just a kid. I don't even know the whole 66 books of the Bible yet. Like, what do you want me to do? But I I definitely felt (laughs) a lot of pressure in church space. Um, Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to leave that there. If y'all want to jump on that topic, we can. (laughs) No, but I do feel like there is like a major fight that happens for your softness especially when you are a pk because people are constant like they have like you said this really high expectation of who you are that doesn't allow you to like function as like a normal human um in those spaces and i feel like that takes some of your softness away um and then uh depending on who we're talking about in the congregation there can also be like, um, they're looking for quote unquote weakness mm. uh, to prey upon, to find out information about your family or to be able to say, oh, so-and-so did this. It's just, uh, there's so much, man. Yeah, That happens there that I feel like, <sighs> I've seen a lot of PKs that have had to, um, in adulthood figure out all their entire life um outside of the church expectation um oh so you're talking about me (laughs) (laughs) no but really though like (laughs) because there's so much that's put on us like i know um people feel ways about the Bill Cosby show, but as like a child, um, people calling us that Huxtable family, like, Mm. oh, your family, like your sister is a minister, your mother's a blah, blah, blah. So they're all in ministry. And um, yeah, it just puts unrealistic expectations on a person and doesn't again allow them to grow like a normal human to like make mistakes because if you do then like you're ostracized and um yeah there's so many layers there yeah hmm this reminds me actually if when I was was 18 or 19 I was just about to turn 19 um, when like, I kind of had like my own, like I needed to be soft and the church was not there for me. Like I was like a youth leader and, um, 
like I was also just beginning to like sense a call to ministry as I would have called it back then, like a call to pastoring or preaching or whatever. And I keep using that voice. That's like my like ironic voice, but, <laughs> but I'm afraid that I use it so often at this point, it's not ironic anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and so so people were like really beginning to be like, oh my goodness, like you're following in your father's footsteps. Like this is, and and I ha- definitely had this image of being like the good girl. Um, nobody wanted to date me because, you know, they were afraid of my dad. Like there was just a lot of, a lot of things, but, but also me because I was super spiritual. <laughs> Are you describing us? Like, <laughs> like I feel you. like I'm on the yeah. exact same page as you. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. They're, they're just like, they're intimidated by even like approaching you because of like, I don't know, both the combination of like what you radiate as a person and put on top of that, like your, your family. Oh, yes. So there was all of that going on. And I was also in, in school. And so like, my story was like, I, I was undocumented until, yeah, when the earthquake happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, that's when like, whoever was in process of getting papers, like was pushed through really quickly. And so like, for me, my first year of college was at community college and I was paying like out of pocket, out of state fees because of my status. And so it was very stressful time. And like, at one point I had a conversation with the registrar and she was like, you, you can't be here because you need to pay your balance. Meanwhile, it could have been negotiated, but I was young. I didn't know. So I was like, oh, so I can't go to school. Okay. And I got really depressed. And in that depression, I like cut off all my hair and because I just needed to like feel a sense of control over something in life. And like, instead of like the church taking that as a sign, like, oh, you're in distress and like, you need help. It was like, oh, you're disobeying your parents. You need to be sanctioned. And so like right after um, all of that happened, I like stopped going to church for a little bit. And that was like my first time really being like, hmm, um, the problem's not me. <laughs> it's y'all. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so I, I, I definitely like at that point in time, and it's, it's, it's crazy because just recently I was looking at like my pictures from that time. And like, I saw the picture of me that I took with like my hair all cut off and like my eyes just looked like dead. Like they just looked, Mm -hmm. there's no life in my eyes. And like, for me, it's like sad um, that in that moment that like, no one was like, Hey, are you okay? It was just, "Mm, we're going to, you're going to have to step down from leadership and take some time. Like there was, there was no conversation about, you know, what was going on for, for real. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, my heart, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, I think I've had so many moments like that as well, you know, where, um, I mean, I, for the last 15 years of my life, I pretty much mostly walked away from, the Latinx community because um, of so much, you know, like so many things that I experienced that were very similar to that. And sometimes I do look back at pictures and I just see like, there is no light in my eyes either, you know? And I just think, I just keep thinking like, how did everyone miss this, you know? Um, And so now I think, um, And the last year has been so interesting for me because I have been experiencing a lot of the same situations that I've experienced in the last 15 years. And I have seen like the opposite outcome. So it would be like the positive outcome. And it's so, and I'm like, my brain, and I understand it's just like how the brain works. Like when the brain feels safe, then it's it tells my body that it's okay to process anything that needs to process, you know? And so, because all of these really good things have been happening, all of this trauma has come up. And um, anyway, and so I think in that process, um, I am also very thankful that, you know, and I, I say this for 
for all of us, that we're all still here, you know? Um, And when I talk to you, Rose, now I see the light in your eyes and I see the way that you laugh and the way Mm -hmm. that you make jokes and the way that you light up when you read poetry, you know? Um, And to me, that is like, that in itself is so powerful to me to know that like, I wonder what it would have been like, right? If we would have met in 2010. (laughs) Um, And maybe we could have walked through some of that stuff together. But the fact that we're here today says to me so much about goodness and kindness and compassion Mm -hmm. um, and gentleness. And I'm really glad you are here. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I, I think I'm still, you know how like, there are stories that you want to tell and that you need the space to like process. And you know that like there's, you know, if it's not freedom for you, it's going to be freedom for someone else to tell those stories. And I think there's a way in which like growing up in those like toxic environments, you get trained out of trusting your voice. You get trained out of like listening to your intuition. You get trained out of being like, Hmm, but what if like, Nope don't question it. The leader said it, everything's fine. Um, and there's like, and that was like, I was 19 and I was 10 years ago. And I, there's still moments where I'm like, Oh, but you can't share this part of the story. Um, yeah. I thank y'all for listening <laughs> as we move towards like really thinking about, um, like what softness looks like, um, for you both in community, um, my next question is like, who inspires you or empowers you, I would say, to embrace your softness? I feel like there are so many different people that um, inspire me and empower me. I mean, like the main one being God. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) um, and the, you know, inspiration of Jesus, you know, we know these things, but um, and like practical everyday life. Um, I feel like the women around me inspire me to be um, to be a soft black woman. Um, and I think it's because I either see them embody it um, or I don't see them embodying that and uh, I feel like sometimes by example, mm. by them seeing like the freedom in, in you, um, sometimes it inspires people to be like, okay, what's different? Why, why are you functioning the way that you're functioning? Um, yeah, so there's a combination of things, but mainly my mama. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, before we, before Carla, before you answer, I want to know, like, what is it about your mother that inspires you? So um, my mom uh, survived both a hostile work environment and a hostile church environment at the same time, the same time Mm -hmm. for over 12 years. Um, And the fact that she's still desires to talk to people and help people um is ultra inspiring she leans into her softness um even though that's costly Mm. so yeah I think that's the main ways in which I I guess that's the main reason why Mm. yeah um, I will uh, piggyback off of Andrea here <laughs> and talk about her mom. <laughs> because, um, and I recently have been thinking about this, um, but so the way that I met Andrea was actually through her mom. <laughs> um, but the way that I met her mom was because one day I, this is when I was working at a white evangelical church <laughs> and I've always been in predominantly white spaces. It's just, you know, for the last however long. And I remember just sitting there by myself 
And I don't even think I said it out loud. I just was sitting in one of the rooms of the building and I just said, God, I just need you to send black women in my life. I don't know where they're going to come from. I look at my church and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that would be because, you know, <laughs> it's a white evangelical church. And so, and I like said that. And I think the same week, one of my friends goes, Hey, have you met Pastor June? And I was like, No, but please tell me more. <laughs> and so I literally added her on Facebook. And, um, which I don't even like Facebook, but I was like, I don't know where else to connect with this woman. And she sends me a message. I also am terrible at responding to anything in general, but specifically Facebook messenger. (laughs) So then I was like, I have to respond to this woman. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I was like, so nervous, so nervous. She invites me to a women's retreat. Look at me. I don't do women's retreats, you know, because... I just don't. <laughs> because I grew up like with, you know, my mom uh, was like part of the, you know, she's a pastor too. So, you know, women's ministry and all that. And I was like, I can't do one more women's retreat for the life of me, you know, but I was like, but this woman is asking me, so I'm going. <laughs> and so I showed up and, you know, Pastor June is incredible. And so, but to me, the story itself is a miracle because one, I had this itty bitty prayer that was definitely out of desperation. Um, But also because my mom is not a black woman. Um, And so my mom loves me in Mm. all the best ways that she can but there is a part of me that my mom just can't understand, you know, because she is a white Latina. And so, um, and when the black women in my life are all that, you know, that were part of my family are all in Peru. And so when I was 11, it was just my dad, my mom, my sister and me. And so, um, I realized that I was always looking for an example of what would it, what would it look like to be mother mm. by a black woman? Um, and Pastor June showed up, <laughs> you know, like I'm getting like teary eyed mm. um, because there is something so beautiful about being mothered by a black woman and not in, um, you know, like the way that like white folks have traditionally done that. Um, but in the way of mutuality and the way of care and the way of joy, (laughs) you Mm. know, um, I, I can think of so many times where I just sat at Andrea's house and we're just laughing. We don't even do anything. (laughs) We just laugh, you know, and, um, and share a meal together. And from that day on, I honestly believe like now there are so many more, black women and women of color in my life but when I prayed that prayer it was not a real thing in my life you know Mm. and so um to me like I have seen softness in the way that um pastor June which I call her my June um (laughs) a lot of people do but you know um even the fact that like I have the honor to call her that to me is so endearing you know and so yeah, the softness of being loved in this way is just incredible to me. Um, and it's so interesting because I think the, the world is always looking for the love of Black women, but doesn't want to love them back, you know? Say that um, again. Say that again. <laughs> but the thing is, the secret to the love of Black women is the mutuality. Because yes. when you love a Black Oof. woman... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, you know? Yes. Um, and so, yeah, to be loved and to love Black women, to me, is like um, the greatest example of softness. Um, because to love a Black woman is also risky. You never know, right? Like we've seen the examples of Breonna Taylor and we see the examples of so many women before, like before us, Sandra Bland, you know, we can keep going. Um, 
But if you risk to love a Black woman, I think there is a part of God in a, that we get to experience that we wouldn't otherwise. Oof. I'm just trying to like take in the, what you just said. Wow. It's so true though. Oh, wow. That was, that was everything. Yeah. That demands a pause. I think the people listening could need a pause. Like, so I'm going to just, yeah. That part about like, when you love a black woman, there's an experience of God of like knowing God that waits for you. Like, and wow. Yeah. So I'm going to like scramble my questions around a little bit because I want to talk a bit more about um, community care, particularly in the kind of community care that comes through uh, friendships with black women. Um, Yeah. And like in this season, I just like building upon this theme of like, for me, like I have a similar story to Carla in that, um, like after I left my Haitian church at age 19, um, I had spent like about a decade in like white evangelical church space. And so I did not have, aside from my two best friends who are black women, like in those spaces where I was operating, I did not have black female friendships, um, to lean on, um, until I got to college and I, my, one of my roommates is a black woman as well. So, it really, I noticed for myself that, um, like, I was nervous with making new friends of, like, Black women who I didn't know, because I think a lot of these, like, strong Black women tropes, if if you meet someone who does embrace a lot of that and is, like, really, like, pushing through to, like, be the strong Black woman, it challenges what is soft for us, and it challenges who we are, and we often hear things like, oh, girl, just suck it up, you can do it. Like that's sometimes you meet people with that energy and it gets kind of like, it can be kind of tense. Um, And so I guess like one of my questions for y'all is just like, what is it like to be in a friendship with another Black woman who is also embracing this journey? Like what have you learned from each other? Um, And yeah, like, I guess let's start with that. Where have you learned from each other on this journey? I'll go first because I'm just giving me the eyes. Um, (laughs) 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 I think um, what I have learned is that generosity is um, bigger and smaller than the world makes it seem. Um, I have found that generosity, um, I think a lot of the times, especially in the context that, you know, that I was in is always implying of money and of wealth. Um, which then actually turns generosity into actually charity and not generosity. Um, but I think in being in friendship with Andrea, with you, um, I have found that generosity is more of sharing a cup of tea together or laughing at silly things together, you know, um, or sharing TikToks and, (laughs) you know, and then talking about them like two weeks later, like, do you remember that TikTok? Um, but also like the generosity of story, you know, like to me, when somebody shares a story with me, that is like, you've given me the greatest gift. (laughs) You know, and to be welcome into someone's home, to um, to be cared for in ways that like are just um, which Kat Armas talks about this, you know, but like the um, the theology of the mundane, the theology of um, lo cotidiano, you know, in Spanish and how like, yeah, like when we've like we're making a meal together that to me is like you know I have found the kingdom of God (laughs) you know (laughs) um yeah so and I know like Rose you and I we haven't met in person but I have experienced so many of those moments over zoom with you you know (laughs) and how like to me it's just like a gift to know your story um, to know what makes you laugh, you know, like I think 
to feel known in those spaces. Um, and another thing um, I would say is um, I didn't realize for how long I had been translating my soul. Um, and I think maybe because I had to, to survive, you know, um, but I remember many conversations where I didn't have to explain anti-Blackness. And I remember thinking, I, we just went straight into the conversation and I didn't have to explain this. And I know that it's like so sad that I even had to explain it, you know, but it, it at the same time, it was like, I don't have to explain this, <laughs> you know? Um, or when I, um, yeah, or when, it almost feels like speaking Spanish to me, right? Because that's my first language. And so I don't have to translate anything. <laughs> um, yeah, and to me, that is so valuable. It's not necessarily, it's never been honestly about the wealth or the money, you know? It's always been about that, like sitting at a table and just being known and get to know the other person. That's so beautiful. And definitely the feeling is mutual, like um, meeting you, Carla, like it has just been like, it's just been a treasure. It's been a gift. Um, like it's almost like you've been here the whole time. <laughs> like I've known you this whole time. I feel this same way and I feel the same way about Andre I'm like I don't remember not knowing Andre so yeah I don't want to go back there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and I definitely think that there is like a there's just like a sweet and beautiful affirmation that exists in the friendships of black women that like even like across like you know just being socialized as as women across across that binary to someone socialized as male and black is just it's just not the same it's not the same like you can get you can get me with the blackness but but there's something else there that black women just understand and get and know um and there's a way that like because we are in relationship we get to trust that sense of what we know and for me, that's valuable, primarily because of like, at least for me, y'all can affirm if it's true for you, um, growing up in the spaces as a PK and in spaces surrounded by like white evangelical Christians, not trusting what I know was just like conditioned into me. And Black women in affirmation and solidarity and be like, mm-hmm, girl, yeah, we know, skip to that part of the story you don't got to explain to us we know what else be like just being able to skip those things and to be able to be like oh yeah 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 that was 100 right what you were feeling makes sense like to hear that over and over and over and over again in these friendships um it's like wow i can trust myself i can be real um i don't have to edit to self-edit yeah and it's wonderful I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, there, I, <laughs> I I have a similar experience that like up until high school, I think junior high was my first experience with like gaining black friends. Um, and even though I was in like a black church, uh, because of like that kind of like isolation of you sit on a different level you think you're better than us all of that stuff existed there so I didn't have friendships with black women back then and so um, up until guys up, to, up until like a couple of years ago um, I had told my mom that like my mom and her best friends were gonna be my best friends because um, I couldn't find any good ones that like I, uh, I guess that matched my energy, that I felt open enough to have conversations about everything without filtering myself or not sharing like the God portion of it because um, they couldn't relate 
or um, not sharing some other part of my experience or just like the idea of being discerning or interpreting dreams or having dreams, all of these things that um, I've been able to share with Carla um, and other women that have more recently come into my life. Um, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe the experience, but it's like, it's so godly. And that thing of like, just loving, that thing that Carly, you were talking about earlier of like loving black women, um, of going beyond like loving yourself but also having other people around you um, see you for who you totally are and um, being able to reciprocate that is so beautiful. And even in like uh, me wanting to connect with, <laughs> with Carla introducing us, Rose, like um, it's so interesting when you meet someone and you're like, okay, in my head, we're already friends. I just have to get us to the point where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so relatable. Like before I met the two of you, I was the only black female Enneagram four that I knew of. So I was like, there are just moments where like Enneagram is an interesting tool, but you have to apply, you know, social context to it. You got to apply cultural context to it. And there are moments where like I meet other fours um, and I'd be like, we got a little something in common, I guess, but like, there's this part that you don't get. Like people would say things to me like, uh, like what, what's your wing? And I'd be like, well, I kind of feel like I have a balance of both five and three because I've had to depend on flexibility my whole life and show up in spaces differently, all this stuff. And like, they didn't understand like that's strong black womaning right there <laughs> to feel like you've had to, because of the pressures of your life, you've had to develop both this like social three wing that can go hard whenever you needed to, but also like the super introverted, leave me alone. I'm in my own space, five wing vibe. Um, and it's just. <laughs> I so relate. Oh, <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> yes. Just to see like the two of you nodding, like as I'm talking, I'm like, this is the affirmation that I'm talking about. <laughs> This is it right here. <laughs> this is it. Whew. Yes, I just feel like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm also in a season of um, allowing new people to come into my life. I think there was a fear for me um, that like my softness, regardless of who I would encounter, would not be welcomed. Um, and so like, for me, it was like, oh, okay, gotta be very careful about who I open up to. And the minute, like, I was like, wait a minute, no, this is a beautiful part of who I am and I'm going to embrace it. Suddenly the people I find myself surrounded by, like, I feel like I have so much more social energy because I know I won't be exhausted by these interactions. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. As a self-proclaimed introvert, I feel that. <laughs> yes, yes. Also Just introverted. The, the drain of being around other humans um, is heavy, bro. But like, I feel like with inside that group of people um, of the black women that are in my life right now, uh, it's not as draining as all those other spaces were. Not that I still don't feel all the emotions and like um, just em empathy and other things that come with being in space with other people, but um, it's different energy. It's like, an, even though I might be tired at the end of it, I'm also energized. Mm. Like they gave me something. I don't feel like I just poured out, you know? Yes. Yes, Erna, who Carla and I work with, Erna Kim Hackett, there's this one time where she said, like, there's a difference between 
like tired and toxic tired. And the minute she said that, I was like, dang, okay, all right. I've been toxic tired this whole time. Like I, it was so freeing for me to hear that language. Um, but that's, yeah, there is definitely a difference. There's a difference. And I think um, when you are in spaces where you feel affirmed um, in who you are and you don't have to defend your existence, <laughs> you don't have to be toxic tired. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because I think about that all the time of the toxic tire. And you know what I realized that my capacity for even the thought of being toxic tire is like at maybe 5%. If that it's like between zero and 5%. If I know some place is going to be toxic, I am not going and I'm an extrovert. So <laughs> I'm like, give me all the people. But now I'm like, give me the selective people. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like I don't do toxic tire anymore. <laughs> All right. So one of the things I write often on like my posts is like wishing you a gentle landing. And for me, the gentle landing is kind of like, I mean, I was from episode one, I said, like black women can fly. The world almost expects us to like be born with wings. <laughs> Um, but like, what does it look, what does it look like for us to create spaces of community care that allow us to land gently and to, um, receive, to be received in softness. Um, and that for me, like that phrase holds together, like what I mean when I say like soft and strong aren't, aren't opposites, um, because it takes strength to fly and, and it takes softness to land gently. So yeah, as um, with like holding that image in mind, um, as this conversation continues to grow and as more voices join in, what do you hope for the soft Black women who are listening? And what, I guess, what do you want to see? What do you want to see in terms of creating gentle landing for soft Black women? Andres giving me the eyes again. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to go. <laughs> um so you know as an enneagram porn um i love daydreaming um (laughs) a long time ago somebody told me that i shouldn't and then Mm. i didn't for a long time um and then i realized that that i love imagination i've always loved imagination like to this day if i'm out on a car ride or anything like i'm picturing worlds on the clouds i'm picturing like the trees are dinosaurs and i'm picturing a whole <laughs> storyline you know um and because i am 100% a believer of the kingdom of god belongs to the little children so <laughs> um but in that I think also comes like imagination playfulness um rest you know like little kids when they don't get rest they will start screaming until they fall asleep um and so (laughs) um when I think of soft black women and what that would mean for us um I spend a lot of time being reactive to a lot of spaces, you know, and I understand why I needed to be reactive in that time. And I'm glad that I was like, I don't take it back. (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think um, sometimes that can kind of put like a hold on the imagination because I couldn't see past the thing that was harming. Right. Mm. Um, And so I started imagining what would it look like for me, for a fat Black woman? What would it look like for an Afro-Latina, um, an undocumented Black woman? You know, like so many things. Um, and I think, I joke that I, I'm going to start saying that my vocation is to become a trophy wife. But... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if there are any eligible, single, put together (laughs) bachelors out here, repeat that last phrase just so they just hear it again. Just had to to make sure they were paying attention first. (laughs) Bruh. 
<laughs> but I think what I'm trying to say when I use the word trophy <laughs> wife, I think it's like, you know, the worry less, the uh, fullness, the compassion, like, um, yeah, I think I've been thinking so much about how we use even the word less and full, you know? Mm. Um, actually, I think Rose, you posted something the other day that was like hopeful or hopeless romantic. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I... and um, yeah, and I think like I've just been thinking so much about that, and I am imagining worlds where there is fullness for us, right? Like Alice Walker says, like roundness mm-hmm. for us. Um and yeah, like soft bodies, soft, um, everything, right? Like I want black women to go up to the ocean and hang out there for days on end, Mm. (laughs) you know, (laughs) I want black women to have time to read because they want to, and not because they have to, Mm. um, I want black women to know that their children are safe. You know, like sometimes I really do wonder, I'm like, why am I out here screaming in the streets, you know? And then I'm like, no, I'm doing this for someone, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it is for that, like one day, um, I have learned from, um, and I'm so thankful from uh, many indigenous folks, but indigenous, uh, uh, you know, some of the traditions say that they look back seven generations and look ahead seven generations. Mm. Um, And, you know, what does it mean to be a good ancestor? I don't even know if I'll ever have kids, right? Like, that's not something that is, like, promised to me. Um, But what does it mean to be a good ancestor to the coming generations? And that means that I will go to the street and, you know, and fight (laughs) against police brutality. And, um, yeah, so I, I want us to see, you know, creating art that doesn't have to always be about social justice, that it is just about our experience. (laughs) You know, like we're not all just anti-racist educators. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be. Let us be something else. I mean, (laughs) you know, and I love talking about anti-racism, but I am so many other things, you know? Exactly. Um, And I love talking about immigration, but I'm so many other things. (laughs) That's why I started saying, like, I'm an immigrant in this country. I'm an undocumented immigrant. But if I were in my in Peru, I'd just be, you know, a citizen to my country. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, I'm just imagining a world of laughter, of luxury. I, sur- I stopped saying the word bougie. I'm not bougie, you know, like that's what the world wants me to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone else is like, oh, you're bougie. No, I am trying to experience uh, luxury without feeling the guilt of you know, do I deserve this? Do I not deserve this? I'm like, no, I want to buy a plane ticket. I'm buying the plane ticket, you know? Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's just, you know, I could keep going, but I just <laughs> want us to enjoy life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think it's similar to the things that like I want for both for myself and that I fight for for myself um, is that joy, peace, and um, compassion. I feel like it's such a necessary part. And I feel like every system literally like pounds us further into the ground and away from it. Mm. And um, I really, I, I really contemplate, I've been thinking about this a lot in my artwork recently um, and just thinking about uh, Andrea and her art and the things that I want it to be. And those are the things that I'm really passionate about. And um, the belief that comfort and um, that being how you are most uh, powerful. Like I've been exploring this idea of being powerful. And I feel like when we are the most comfortable is when we are the most powerful. And um, I feel like in those spaces of both having joy and peace and compassion um, are like necessary components to it. And so 
I'm just hoping that for everyone. I feel like having those pieces together would just be beautiful. Mm. So many people are in need of that and are lacking that, like even space to do that. Um, mm. Which leads to a whole nother conversation, but we'll leave that alone. Ooh. Wow. I, yes. In terms of what I want for soft black women, I mean, I, I just hope that the spaces that get created in this community would be able to see, see through the fulfillment of our dreams and the dreams that you both have named today. Um, and thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, uh, for being my friends and my affirmation uh, partners on this journey and. Um, and as we close out and head towards our affirmation, um, I just want to affirm the softness of and the beauty of this friendship that you both have and that I now get to have with both of you as well. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Rose. <laughs> so um, we're going to take a brief little moment of silence and Carla will share a poem for us. Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. We were born in a poor time, never touching each other's hunger, never sharing our crust and fear the bread became enemy. Now we raise our children to respect themselves as well as each other. Now you have made loneliness holy and useful and no longer needed now. Your light shines very brightly, but I want you to know your darkness also rich and beyond fear. Hmm. Ashe, thank you.